or in your Bible to Acts chapter 1. I believe that this is probably the greatest time in our church's, in our church's life and in our church's um, future to preach through the book of Acts. To preach, to preach the book that gave the history of the early church and the Acts of the Apostles. And so, and, and so um, it's, it's with uh, joy, it's with joy that I bring this um, first message to you this morning. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. May God bless the reading of his word. So here is what we are going to do at the beginning of every one of these messages. We're going to have what I'm going to call a gospel, a gospel witnessing story time. Okay, and you'll have an opportunity in just a moment to share your most recent gospel witnessing experience. Now, here's what I, here's what I want to say to you. If it's been months ago, I really don't want you to come up and share. Okay. Because that, to me, indicates a problem. If it's been months since the last time we shared our faith, there is a problem. So, um, is there anyone who has a recent gospel witnessing story? You all see your faces right now. That's classic. That's like, if I, Pastor, if I could climb under this chair right this moment, I would be under there. I have a story. So, but I have to go back a couple of years to set the stage for the story. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine called me and shared with me that he had an addiction. And so we met together and... I chose to start out dealing with the addiction with the gospel. I listened to his problem. I listened, I listened to his story. And then we talked Jesus. We talked the gospel. And guess what? I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. 
I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. And you ought to see, you ought to see what's going on in his life now. You ought to see what the text I get and the messages I get from him now. My, not, my life has never been like this before. It's, it's the greatest journey I've ever been on. And I have you to thank for sharing Christ with me. So let's fast forward. The other day, I get a message from him. His wife is living with multiple sclerosis and has lived with it for the last 25 years. And most recently, she got news from her doctor that for the first time in 20 years, baffled and did not know what to do and pretty much gave her a prognosis of there's nothing else. And her, and her life and her world and everything about it came crashing down and she didn't know, and she didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to put one foot in front of another. And so he, he asked me, he said, would you talk to my wife? I said, I'd be glad to talk to your wife. I've known them for, I've known them for a long, long, long time. And um, sitting right here on this front row, <laughs> sitting right here on this front row just this week, um, she and I were talking. And um, he decided that he would go downstairs because he wanted her to feel free to unload or unleash or share. And, and so, um, you know, she was telling me all these things. And y- you know what? It was, it, it was just heir apparent to me that, um, again, the gospel needed to come up in this conversation. And I, and, I said to, and I said to her, is there a time in your life when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is there a time in your life that you know that you have been born again and that you're a believer in the Lord? And she said, well, you know what? I don't know about born again. I don't know about that peace. She said, I'm a believer, but I don't know if I've ever been born again. And so I went straight to creation of Christ. And I shared creation of Christ with her. And you know what? It was the neatest thing because everything I shared, she affirmed it all. She affirmed it all as something that she believed to be true. All the way through the story. All the way through to... Christ and his death on the cross and his, and, and his burial and his resurrection and, and all of that. She affirmed it all. And I told her, I said, you know what? I believe in my heart of hearts. And I hope that you will in what we say. I believe you're born again. I believe you're a born again believer. I think it was a, a play on words. A play on words. You know, Nicodemus had the same issue when, when Jesus was talking to him. And, and we talked through that. Got a message. We, 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 had to, we, we, we just had a, a wonderful conversation. Got a message from her husband the next day. He said, for the first time in a very, very long time, my wife slept all night. the best night of sleep that she's had in a long time. Let me tell you something, folks. 
as we work through Acts. You see, we're changing our name. We're changing our vision. We're changing our mission. We're changing our core values. We're changing everything. We're changing the outside look of the building. We're changing the sign. We're changing our our social media presence, we're changing everything. But if we don't change our attitudes, if we don't change our attitudes about this lost and dying world that we're walking around in, then it's not going to look an ounce different than it looks right this moment. What am I saying? Let's work through the Word and see. The former account I made, and the former account is the book, of, the book of Luke. Luke wrote Luke and Acts. So the former account that he's talking about is the book of Luke. So guess what I'm doing as I walk us through Acts? I'm also reading the book of Luke. I'm also studying the book of Luke, which, by the way, talks about, talks about Jesus from his birth to his death and leading up to his ascension. Everything that he did. Theophilus. Who's this guy, Theophilus? You know, they say Theophilus may have been a person, may have been a person in Luke's life that may have actually been a benefactor, a benefactor of Luke's teaching, of the teaching of the Word of God, of the teaching of the gospel. But Theophilus also means friend of God, lovers of God. So it could have been a group. It could have been a group of people. Okay, not absolutely certain. They think it was probably a person, a benefactor. So just so you understand what benefactor means, I got to go to a leadership summit this week where Johnny Hunt was the, was the person leading it. Johnny Hunt, pastor of First Baptist Woodstock, Woodstock, Georgia. If you know anything about Southern Baptist life, he's been a president of the Southern Baptist Convention he pastors one of the largest churches in our convention. He, he's been at that church for 32 years, and, and he, is, he is a powerhouse. And, and you know what? I was a benefactor of that experience. I was a benefactor of that. So if you want to know what benefactor means, that's it. The former account I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he's talking about Jesus all the way from birth, from birth to resurrection and even to ascension. Okay, the day that he was taken up. That, that's, that's the point that he's making. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. His suffering. When we, think about, when we think about the gospel, when we think about the purpose of the gospel, when we think about why Jesus had to die, you know what? That's what brings us, that's what brings us to the crux of this issue. If statistics are true, if statistics are true, there are people sitting in this room right this moment. So do me a favor. Look to your right. If you get that wrong, if you get that wrong, just... Look the other way the next time. Look to your left. Look in front of you. Look behind you. Okay? That's one of those, you know, instead of getting up and shaking hands this morning, we're just looking at each other, okay? 
But here's the thing. If statistics are true, if statistics are true, there are people here right this moment who are lost, dying, and headed to hell. In our midst right this moment, in this room of of some of the faces that you just looked into. They are lost, dying, going to hell. And you're, and you're sitting there going, Preacher, how dare you? How dare you say that to us? So let me tell you something. Tiffany, if I may, I can't remember the day. I, I thought it was before Christmas, and it might have been. I don't know when, but Tiffany had one of those moments in her life where she had a 10 on a scale of 10 of pain in her belly. And by the time it was over, at the end of that day, we would be in Chippenham Hospital. We would be in Chippenham Hospital, and they would determine, they would determine that she had a hot appendix. Well, any of you that understand what that means, means that you're going to surgery pretty soon. And it was, it was a whirlwind, was it not? Tears came down her face because she got delivered messages that she, I don't think that she was prepared for in that way. I mean, he came bebopping in and he said, guess what? You got a hot appendix and you're about to go to surgery. That's the way he delivered the message. And, and you know what? And she had to soak that in. And, she, and, and you know what? Here's, what? here's what she could have said. She could have said, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to wait. You ain't doing no surgery on me. Okay? I know my body. I know what's best for me. I know this and I know that and all this kind of stuff. And we're just not going to do surgery this quick. In fact, you know, we might put it off for a couple of weeks. We might put it off for a month. If you know anything about the appendix and you know anything about that particular um, little bitty part in our body, that would not have fared well had she chosen that route. So, immediately, in an emergency kind of way, she was scheduled for surgery. And had, what was it, 3.30, 4 o'clock? Yeah, yeah. It was just one of those things where... It, 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 the, the night got a late start anyway, but it didn't end. It just went right on to surgery and, and all of the things that go along with that. Now, folks, I, I want you to understand in the context of what I just said from God's Word about, about this being shared about His suffering and about the fact that there are people that sit, are sitting in this room right this moment who don't know Christ, who are, who are dying and going to hell who are going to die and go to hell, and the urgency of the message of the gospel. The urgency of the message of the gospel, just as urgent as her emergency surgery was because of her hot appendix, is the fact that, you know what? We think we have all this time to make this decision. We have all this time to share with our neighbor. We have all this time for somebody else to share with our neighbor because we're too scared to share with our neighbor or we, doesn't, we don't think it matters to share with our neighbor. So all this time, and then the next thing you know, somebody dies, they die without Christ, and this is what I hear. 
man, pastor, I wish I had been more forceful. I wish I had been more bold. I wish I had shared. I wish I had shared when I had the opportunity, but I didn't. And then you got to walk around living with that. You got to walk around living with the fact, living with the fact that, you know what? We didn't take, we didn't take his word serious. We didn't take the fact that, you know what? He suffered, he bled, and he died. So here's what I'm going to do right this moment. And I know you're going to say, man, he's weird today. But we're going to pray a prayer right now. We're going to pray a prayer. And, and you know what? Here's the, person, here's the person or persons I want to pray this prayer. If you've never come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, I want you to know that the hot appendix issue is up right now. The hot appendix issue is up right now. I want to give you an opportunity to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. But be ready. But be ready for what's coming next. So, everybody pray with me. Everybody be in a spirit of prayer. And if you are one of those people, I don't think it's an accident that you're here, and I don't think it's an accident that we're having this conversation. But if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to come into your life, then I want you to pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you in my life. I know that I'm a sinner who has fallen short of the glory of God. I know that your word teaches that there is none righteous. And Lord, I was born with a sin nature. And Lord, I've chosen up to this day to not deal with it. And Lord, and Lord I, I just ask you to forgive me of that decision and forgive me of my sin. And Lord, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And Lord, I, I, I ask you to, to lead me and to guide me all the rest of my days. And Lord, I... I want to be a disciple of yours. I want to be a student of yours. And so, Lord, I ask you, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you, on the third day, rose from the grave. And, Lord, I proclaim that today. And Lord, I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In your most precious and holy name, amen. Now, let me, let me share something with you. There are some that think they need to pray that every day. There are some that think they need to pray that all the time. True salvation, true salvation only needs to happen once. True salvation in the Lord needs to happen once. And if you are here this morning, if you are here this morning, and here's what I'm going to, here's, here's where it's going to just keep taking twists and turns this morning. If, if anybody responds in this moment 
to come up here, then I would ask my pastoral brothers to take them and to go and to go nail it down with them. Okay? But if you prayed this morning, in that moment, to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want you to come here right now. I want you to come here right now. Because Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, then I will be ashamed of you before my Father. And it's not about walking the aisle. It's about taking a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer, and by the way, as I'm preaching, if you decide then you want to come, then you come. There is no shame in that. There is no embarrassment in that. There is none of that. But you know something? We got to get serious about the business of the Lord's work. And then he was seen after he had died, buried, resurrected. He was seen by many infallible proofs. Well, I'm going to keep it simple for you, okay? I'm going to keep it simple about those infallible proofs. You know what they saw? They saw a walking, talking, eating, drinking, flesh and and bone Messiah. That's, That's the infallible proofs that they saw. You know, you can go various places in Scripture and you can see that seen by over 500 and seen by the disciples and all of this kind of stuff. You can go back to the story of Thomas and you can talk about Thomas and all of that and the fact that Thomas at first did not believe but after he touched them, after he touched those nail print scars and after he touched, after he touched the place in his side and all of those things, then he believed. Then he believed. There's proof of his resurrection. And look at what Jesus was doing during the 40 days. Look at what Jesus was doing during the 40 days. What was he speaking about? He was speaking about the kingdom of God. He was speaking about the kingdom of God. Now let me tell you something. Did a word study on the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, it takes it takes some different turns because in the Old Testament the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God was really focused on Israel. It was really focused on Israel. Okay, but, but in all honesty, there can be no kingdom of God when there is no Messiah, when there is no Messiah attached to it. And, and you know what? The kingdom of God means that Jesus rules and reigns in this kingdom. That Jesus rules and reigns in this kingdom, and that, and that you know what? It's, it's not necessarily a kingdom with geographical boundaries and borders, okay? Though when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? So, so as, we, as we think about this, as we think about this kingdom, as, as we think about this place 
where Jesus rules and reigns. This, this thing, this morning we talked in Sunday school that it wasn't, that it had turned into, in the early church there in Rome, it had turned into what they ate and what they drank, which wasn't what it was supposed to be about. It was about peace. It was about righteousness. It was about joy. And it was about living out those things in our lives. About living out those things. So let's, let's, look, let's look at a couple, of, a couple of things. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 for a moment. Luke chapter 5. Because, because you know, to get, an understanding, to get an understanding of the kingdom, you've got to kind of... You've got to kind of grasp this. It says in Luke chapter 5, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut to the chase and get to the point where he, he tells Peter and the ones fishing in verse 4, he says, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net, <clears throat> and their net was breaking. So they sing, signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When we think about, when we think about the kingdom, you, you know what? We try to put our own understanding around it. Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. And in 26 he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now I'll give you the title of my message. Building His Kingdom. Building His Kingdom. So look at this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And being assembled together. Now you heard Josh last week, if you were sitting here, talk about the importance of us coming together in this local body, of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, you, you heard the importance. Now let me tell you that let, let me tell you, if they weren't there, they weren't there. Do you hear what I just said? See, they, they were assembled together after his resurrection with Jesus himself. With Jesus himself as he was giving final instruction. As he was giving final instruction. So let me, let me use a fishing and a hunting analogy, if I may. May I? Thank you. I appreciate y'all 
saying that. So my fishing analogy is, if you're not on the water, you're not going to catch any fish. Now, on the water doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in a boat. You can be on the side of the, the of, you can be on the bank of the river. You can be on the bank of the pond. But if you, but if you're not there, you're not going to catch a thing. All right, so let's use the hunting analogy. The hunting analogy is if you are not in the woods, if you are not in the woods, then you have no chance at harvesting that trophy animal. Okay? Now you sit there and you go, what in the world? But here's the thing. But here's the thing. If you're not there, you missed it. If you're not here, you missed it. If you didn't hear what he had to say last week, you missed it. Now there are opportunities for you to hear it again. You got to go to the website. You got to go various places like that. It's, it's great in that context, but it's not as good as being here. Okay? And, and here's the thing. They were right there. They were right there with Jesus, assembled with him, listening to his instruction. Listening to his instruction. What did he tell them? He told them to wait there in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. And what was the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that was to come. The Holy Spirit that was to come. And, and oh, by the way, do you know, do you know that Jesus in his earthly ministry, in his earthly ministry, had the Holy Spirit giving him power and the, and the ability to do what he was doing in his human form? And you sit there and you say, well, Pastor, where'd you come up with that? Well, what rested upon him at his baptism? The Spirit of God, like a dove, descended upon him. What compelled him into the wilderness? What compelled him into the wilderness to go be tempted by the devil for 40 days? The Spirit of God. And what, and what, what brought him through it, the Spirit of God? And when it was, and when it was over, you, you know what? It was shortly after he had just finished being tempted by the devil that he went into the synagogue and he was teaching in the synagogue. And you know what? They decided they wanted him to read. So he read from Isaiah. And he read that portion that talked about, that talked about the Spirit of God descending upon him. The Spirit of God giving him power. And by the time he was done, they wanted to kill him then. You would have thought, you would have thought him being in the wilderness with the devil was worse than what he was about to go through in the synagogue. With people wanting to take him outside and throw him over the side of a cliff. But the Holy Spirit was coming to those disciples. And he told them, you wait for it. You wait for it. Now, they got a little sidetracked. Okay, they, they got a little sidetracked here. And, and you can see that in what, in what they say, and that is, going into verse 6. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They got off track. They lost sight of what this whole conversation was about. They got, a bit, they got a bit political. Wow. Been a whole lot of political going on this week. And, but they, that was a political question. That was, that was a restoration of the kingdom to Israel. 
That was a restoration of their land. That was a restoration of their, of their glory, of everything, of everything that came with that. That's what that question was about. And you know what? All he did, all he did was turn it in a different direction. All he did was turn it in a different direction. And he said, and, and this is what he said. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, that's God the Father. That's God, God the Father that will determine that. But don't get hung up on that. You've got work to do here. You've got work to do now. And oh, by the way, the work that I'm sending you to do, the work that I'm sending you to do is paving the way for what you just asked. For what you just asked. But, but, here, but here it is. My life first. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And to the end of the earth. You shall receive power. That word power, dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. It's where we get the word dynamite. When you think about, when you think about the, the power that we have, when you think about the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within the life of each and every believer, lives within the temple of God himself, lives within each one of us, descended down upon us. You know, you know what? When you became a believer, when you became a believer, the Holy Spirit, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit right there. At that moment, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you are, and you are supposed to be a spirit-led individual. A spirit-led individual, one that, one that walks by the Spirit, one that talks by the Spirit. You know, you know what? People ought to be able to see it. People ought to be able to see it. And, and you know what? You have, you have a means to overcome sin. You have the ability to walk away from sin. You have a, an ability to stay away from that. By the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you. And the one that gives you everything that you need. But you, sh you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. And you know what? That word witnesses goes to the word martyr. You shall be witnesses to the point of martyrdom. I think that, I think that if we found ourselves in, in a difficult place because of our faith, many would run from the faith. I, I hope I'm wrong. And, and I, would love, I would love to know in my own life, and I would love to know in, 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 in other people's lives, what would they do? If we, if we come to that point, what will we do? Will we stand on the truth, will we, will we fight the good fight? Will we do what we're called to do? You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know what? The, the world was covered by that statement. The world was covered. Where they were, where they were and branching out from there. The fact that the fact that, you know what? Don't worry about things you ought not be worrying about. Let's worry about, let's worry about making Jesus known 
to a lost and dying world. You see, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, I know. So I'll just get in trouble and we'll go from there. Our, our implementation team, Scott, Josh, Sean, and I, our implementation team for this, we're working through vision, mission, and core values. Okay, we're working through vision, mission, and core values. And we're, we're, we're kind of stuck. Okay, we're kind of stuck. But I think, we may, I think we may make some progress today. We're meeting today. Pray for us. Pray for us as we meet. Pray for us as we meet that, that we hear from the Lord. Because this is an important piece. This is an important piece of this. That we get this, that we get this as right as we can get this. You, you, you know, I, I would love nothing more than for the four of us to sit down and God to say, Gentlemen, sit down and be quiet. Here it is. Now, I think that um, I think that we've heard some things. I think that we've heard some things, and 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 here's the. Um, so, if if we think about building His kingdom, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because Johnny Hunt, in, in his, he gave us a little booklet. Twelve ways to be a godly leader. Number four is genuinely believe the kingdom is larger than you. That's number four in the twelve ways to be a godly leader. Is to genuinely believe that the kingdom is bigger than you. I thought that was interesting that that one would be on his list of twelve at this particular time in my life. Okay? One suggestion was to plant 10 churches in 10 years. But why limit God? Why, why limit God in that 10-year period? Because you know what? When, when I heard 10 churches in 10 years, I heard 1,000 in 10 years. Now, you just, I'm sure you went, yeah, you're, you're a nut. Okay. And no, I'm not talking about planting 1,000 churches in 10 years. I'm talking about a thousand witnessing opportunities in 10 years. You witness to a thousand people in 10 years, which is doable, a hundred people a year for 10 years, and you watch what happens to churches being planted. But see, we have gotten into this mode where we don't think that we're called to be evangelists, where we don't, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we, we, are afraid to share Christ with unbelievers. Now, you might say, Pastor, you are being unfair. Pastor, you are being unfair. But if you had seen your faces when I just now ask anybody of, in this room to stand up and sh- share their gospel witnessing story that is at least recent, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you all look like you all of a sudden got this illness. You looked terrible because, because, and heaven forbid that I should call on one of you. Heaven forbid. I mean, you, you know what? I mean, I, that, that, would not be, that would not be one of the ways that somebody would say is a good method of church growth. Would be to call on somebody and say, come up here and share your last witnessing experience with us. Now, folks, here's what I, here's what I want the encouragement to be. 
you know what, this puts, a, this puts, this puts it on me too. This puts it on me too. That You know what, next week should not be the story of uh, the husband and his wife. You know what I'm saying? Folks, we've got to be about the Lord's business. We've got, to, we've got to understand what is taking place right here. And what's, what's about to happen is the disciples are about to be empowered. As far as the writing goes, okay? Now, there was probably a little difference in the time that it actually occurred and the fact that it got written down. Okay, but, you, but keep in mind, that's what's about to happen. The empowerment, the empowerment of the disciples. Now, if you're a believer and you're in here right this moment, guess what? You got the power. You got the power. The power lives within you. The power lives within you. The power leads you each and every step, each and every day. Leads you wherever, wherever you need to go. And I tell you, and I tell you, we cannot be afraid of this world. We cannot be afraid of this world. We need to be about his business. We need to be sharing him with a lost and dying world. You want to see, you, you want to see Mission Community Church? You want to see mission, something different in Mission Community Church? Let's be about his business. Let's be, let's be willing to share Christ everywhere we go. And, fo- and, and folks, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Especially if you're a teacher or a leader in this place. You've heard me say talk is cheap. You've heard me say words many times really don't matter. Josh Waltman said last week, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong on, I don't want to get you, I don't want to misquote you or anything, but he said, you know what? I'm not looking for you to come back here and pat me on the back. I'm not looking for you to shake my hand. I'm not looking for you to say, oh, that was a great message, preacher. I'm looking for you to go live it. Now, here's back at us. Here's back at us. If we're not living what we're teaching and we're preaching, then it ain't worth nothing. It ain't worth a thing if we're not modeling it, if we're not modeling it for others. So you know what? When I stood up here and I said, who's got a, who's got a gospel witness story? I better have had one. And oh, by the way, I'll have one next week. But I, I hope to be pushed to the side. I hope to be pushed to the side by one of you so that you can share how the Lord used you to share the greatest story that could ever be shared with a person in their life. And you know what? The story doesn't have to end with, well, that person prayed to receive Christ. It's just the fact that you boldly stepped out there and you, and you, shared, that, you shared the good news, you shared the gospel, and here we are. Gives us more to pray about. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Acts. I thank you for all that, all that Luke saw and all that, all that he experienced in that, in, in, that, in that time. He was there. He was there. Luke, Luke the doctor. Luke the historian. Luke the theologian. So, Lord, I thank you for using Luke to write in the way that he did. And it wasn't simple. It was, it, 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 it in many cases, it, it is, many cases was writing at a totally different level 
so that, so that people of all levels of society could hear the one true gospel. So, Lord, we, um, I, I just give this invitation time over to you. I lift up, I lift up this, I lift up this body of believers. Lord, we were told this week that we under-challenge our people. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that you would do, I pray that you would do in our lives what only you can do. Lord, Lord, I write this moment. I lift up Isaac and his team as they're there in uh, Guatemala. They're worshiping today. They'll be working tomorrow. Lord, and I pray, I pray that the gospel will go forth. I pray that you will do a great work in Guatemala as you are doing all around this world. Lord, thank you for the story that I got to read about Zimbabwe this morning and the fact that they're teaching, um, they're teaching them in seminary how to raise chickens. Praise your name. Praise your name for what is, what is happening and, 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 how, and how you are allowing people from many different platforms, people from many different ways to, to be used of you and for the gospel to go forth. Lord, I pray for these families that were burnt out of this apartment the other night. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for... Um, I thank you for this lady that I've been in conversation with this week who, who has worn herself out meeting the needs and, and advocating on behalf of these people who lost everything and had nowhere to go. Lord, I, um, Lord, I just pray that you would have your way in our lives, that you would have your way, that we would stop, that we would stop rejecting you, that we would stop living the way we want to live, and that we would live for you. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. I pray that you would forgive me of my shortcomings. Lord, I pray that you would keep me from failure. I pray that you would do a great work in all of our lives. And when, people, and when people see us, they see Jesus in us. And Lord, that, and Lord that, that's all we want to do is to share you and to make you known and to make your name famous and to exalt you above all else. Lord, take this time of invitation and do with it only what you can do. All this you most precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together.